When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina. And Andy Brant Bernard. And we'll be right back right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. What do you think of that, ladies and gentlemen? Who is that? The Bengals. That is the Bengals. There you go. It's been a while. Yeah, they were more popular than people realized, but they also vanished just all of a sudden. Wow. They also just hit the road, didn't they? Yeah, because they had that. They had Walk Like an Egyptian, uh, and then they had a Egypt. third really popular song. Catherine always gets that song stuck in my head because she talks about that guy at KQ, Daryl or something. Daryl. Oh, Daryl. 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 Walk like a Darrell. Oh, yeah. Darrell yeah. was my, one of my favorite people on earth. That's the guy when I was four years old, Skipper Darrell. On the Skipper Darrell show, I was four years old. I looked behind the bleachers, and Darrell, Skipper Darrell was back having a cigarette. <laughs> and I said, Skipper Darrell, you're not supposed to smoke. He said, shut up and sit down. Okay. And then I worked with him years later. Nicest guy in the world. Smokers don't like being told not to smoke. No, they do not like that. They're not uh, fond of that idea at all. As if the weekend's record-breaking snowstorm hasn't been enough, wait, there's more. Another system, though not as potent, is promising to pile on to the 15 to 22 inches that blanketed the metro. Where did they get the 22 inches? Was that like in Maple Grove? Uh, well, I mean, I had to have the gas company come and reconnect my gas yesterday, 
And he said that because of, like, some snow drifts or something, uh, outside of his door there were several feet of snow. Yeah. Several feet. So in some, it just depends on how the wind hits your house, I guess. Why was your gas disconnected from your house? <clears throat> because it was leaking when I was in Florida. Leaking? Yep. Good thing the neighbors smelled it, because... Yeah, the, one, the building would have exploded. <laughs> yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, that's well, good. We'd have a place to park. <clears throat> that's, that's true. true. You can park that's on the ashes. True. Uh, another system, though not as potent, is promising to pile on to the 15 to 22 inches that blanketed the metro and gave us the uh, snowiest April on record. That could be a tough pill to swallow for even the hardiest of Minnesotans who spent Monday digging cars out of drifts nearly two feet high and clearing back-breaking snow from driveways and sidewalks. Others had the task of retrieving their cars from Minneapolis' impound lot. Snow-clogged streets caused several metro-area schools to call off classes Monday, while the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport was in catch-up mode after the past two days saw more than 750 flights canceled. <laughs> it might be the most flights ever canceled due to a storm, said spokesman Patrick Hogan. Never have all four runways been closed as long as they were. The airport was at full strength on Monday, but the backlog of passengers was not likely to be cleared out until late Monday or Tuesday morning, Hogan said. Didn't we know someone who was flying in on Saturday? Oh, it was supposed to be me. Well, I mean, there was someone else. I'm just wondering if they, like, did that get canceled? It must have. Ah, uh, yeah. I think almost all flights got canceled Saturday and Sunday. Good thing we flew in on Friday. Cause... Saturday, Sunday night they came in. Yeah, we, we landed at 3 o'clock on Friday, and it started snowing at 4 o'clock on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we made it by one hour. Uh, snow totals across the metro included 22 inches at Maple Grove. Yeah, it was in Maple Grove. Somebody had told me that. That's on, that's not even two feet. Well, 22. <laughs> what do you mean not even two feet? Well, but I mean, if some people had several feet outside uh, their door. I mean, I well, had two uh, feet drifts. outside my door. Yeah, yeah. drifts. You're talking about just the number of... Uh, you know, of inches that fell, then you get the drifts. You can get them up to four or five feet. You get 22 inches of snow, you can get five-foot drifts. Especially yeah. this snow, though, where it's heavy and wet. I yeah, mean, It's perfect true. for making snowballs, but yeah. shoveling is true. just a pain. It's ideal playing in the snow, snow, but for adults, not yep. so much. 21 inches at Vadnais Heights. Others uh, with noteworthy totals included Fridley at 20 inches, Northeast Minneapolis at 19.8 inches, West St. Paul at 19.2 inches, Blaine with 19 inches, Bloomington and Moundsview with 18 inches, and 17.4 inches in Southwest Minneapolis. A number of cities checked in with 16 inches, including Golden Valley. Uh, the National Weather Service said a day, time, a day of sunshine was in store today ahead of the next system that could bring a swath of six to eight more inches of snow, but that's across <laughs> southern Minnesota, so, most likely okay. along Interstate 90. That's today? Yes, uh, tomorrow. Well, oh, wait, it says a day of sunshine. Monday. Ahead of the next system, okay. Yeah. Well, so that could be any time before, between tonight well, yeah, and... Yeah, it could be tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Check weather.com. Oh, God. You're going to depress the hell out of me if we Hey, but on a good side, uh, a woman, an American woman, won uh, the Boston Marathon today. First time since 85. I was going to say, that had to have been a long time coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good, though, because no uh, last year where we had the New Yorker. Uh, oh, what was her name? It was an uh, Irish name. She, uh, American woman, won New York City. Colleen O'Shaughnessy. What was it? it was like Flanagan. Flanagan? Yeah, something. Some, they all get some the same. Very Irish. Yeah, they kind of do. Yeah, like three names for women in Ireland. Uh, Weather.com says snow showers on Wednesday. Snow showers, so it's going to be raining. Uh, one to three inches of snow expected. So that's no big deal. Today, a few flurries. Tomorrow, yeah, I'm not really seeing anything. Yeah, I don't. So know. I don't know where they're getting this. Uh, they're cracked. Yeah. Oh. Counties along the Minnesota-Iowa border. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I-90. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's way the hell down there. Not near us, really. What's? Do you know, like, a uh, zip code down there? I do not. Do you know a city down there? Yes, Albert Lee. Yep. If weather.com wasn't so choked with ads, like every website on Earth... Like, I am so tired of the ads on websites being forced down your throat, I can't even take it anymore. Like, the site is totally frozen. Yeah, that's not... What the weather site is? Yes, because of ads. There are so many ads you can't even use it. That's nice. It's going to become a. They're going to have to like legislate that. They are going to have to stop it because it's way out of line. It's like imagine if people were allowed to put billboards like in the middle of the street that 
you had to wait to they tried go to do away. that when they did those crossing bridges mm-hmm. those foot bridges and bike bridges over they tried to put billboards on them like no 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 you can't put billboards up there <laughs> yeah whether well, it's a really bad idea screwed even the metro could pick up one to five inches he said pushing the season into the top 10 for total snowfall and smashing the previous april record of 21.3 inches for the month 1983 well we already broke that yeah so far the msp airport uh the official uh, reporting station for the metro area has picked up 26.1 inches this month for the year, the Twin Cities has seen 70.3 inches of snow since the beginning of the year. If I had a house with a backyard, I would every winter cordon off a little like plexiglass cube yeah. with an open top and just let the snow accumulate all year just to see like how much gets in there. Now, I can understand the snow totals giving it out at MSP, but it's like when they say what the temperature is at the airport, yes. who gives a crap? Because yeah, nobody I lives at the airport. I, nobody lives at the airport. You don't, I don't go care. outside. Well, I guess no, if it's right. below freezing, you got to de-ice, and that yeah. adds time. I guess. But, yeah, if it's not below freezing, it's, yeah, you're just on the runway for 15 yeah. seconds. I mean, not the runway, the tarmac thing. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh, it says here, looking ahead, the models point to spring's much belated arrival. By next week, temperatures could touch 60 degrees or warmer. Mm. That would be welcome as the warmest temperature this year has been 52 degrees on April 12th and March 28th. <laughs> 52 <laughs> so far is as warm as it's gotten. The weather uh, says, yeah, 55 on Sunday, 58 on Monday. Really? So A week from today. Yeah. It's, in fact, not going... To to get below freezing starting on Sunday. So we have nine more shows to do from this studio. And no. I did look it up this morning. Nine. Yeah, four this week and five next week. That's oh, it. Oh, so we're not doing a show on Friday? No, we have four more after today. This oh, so week. not including today. Not including today, no. After today. Yes, and then we have a brand new studio that none of you out there are going to even notice but no we'll notice yeah we you won't even notice although we might not be able to have youtube there i'll have to see uh yeah we'll see that might not be a possibility depending on how big the studio how have you been in that room yeah is it as big as this room uh it's just about the same size as this room actually it might work then i don't know youtube is that is that all that important anyway there's a lot of people who are upset when it's gone. Oh, really? Okay, well, we don't want to piss them off. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say one more thing about the weather, and I can't even think what the hell it is. So snowy I guess snow? That big a deal. Uh, no, I just i am sick to death of it, and that's all there is to it. Yep. Uh, things are getting worse. You're absolutely right. You're sitting at home going, God, the world's getting to be more frightening by the day. Well, you're correct. A second-grade student. Yes, I said a second-grade student. Remember that. Second-grade students are what, seven? Yes, Uh, seven and eight, yeah. Seven and eight years old. A second-grade student at a Sauk Rapids Elementary School attacked classmates with a knife Monday morning, officials said. Three students were wounded in the incident, but all were treated and released from the hospital. The attack took place at Pleasant View Elementary as students were arriving for class about 7.15 Monday morning, said Sauk Rapids Rice Superintendent Bruce Watkins. This morning we did have an unfortunate incident, Watkins said in an interview. It happened before school started. A second grade male student, after he put his backpack away, took out his knife and struck three students with his knife. Struck? Struck them, yes. It said struck them. Didn't know how to use a knife. That's good. Uh, I just tapped them on the head with yeah, it. You're not supposed to strike with a knife. The attack took place in a hallway near an entrance where students were arriving, Watkins said. School officials immediately called police and an ambulance service. The victims were taken to a hospital but were released to their parents after treatment, he said. The school has made mental health counselors available to students and staff, Watkins added. Mm. Classes went on as scheduled. As for the alleged attacker, there will be an action taken on behalf of local law enforcement, Watkins said, and the attacker will not be allowed back at school. Well, that's good. So basically, if I stab somebody uh, or three people, I can't come back to your school. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I got kicked out of school for talking too much. I know. I didn't even stab anyone. Well, emotionally. You stabbed them emotionally. That was the problem. I think that was the more the teachers that were emotionally scarred than the 
classroom. Would you look back at when you were seven and eight years old? Did you even for one second consider stabbing someone? No. No. I don't don't really remember what I was feeling when I was seven or eight years old. You're not thinking about stabbing people. Probably not. What the hell? What's wrong with you? I only have two really vivid memories of first grade. Oh, it says here the district disciplinary policy forbids students who are violent from attending school. Well, that's good. (laughs) That's nice to know. So if you got a gun or a knife, you can't come in. They didn't say why. No, they didn't say why. It'd be interesting why the the second grader did it. It would be interesting to find that out. I'm guessing daddy's not around. Well, (coughs) excuse me. They said that of the the last 15 attackers... Two of them had dads, I think? Two, I think one had a dad. One had a, yeah. A, a dad present in the home. One Bad of them. times. And dad was probably a prick, let's be honest. So this just happened. So, yeah, there's no yeah. news. Yeah, this just happened about, what, an hour ago? Three hours it? ago. Three hours ago? Ish. But, yeah, there's no information yet. Who knows? It was probably some kind of deal. The kid was being bullied and... Yeah. I'm not Do saying the people stabbed the bullies. Oh, God. Yeah. Kindergartners bully the <laughs> hell out of people. I do not remember school, really. Yeah, nice shirt. <laughs> or, see, that was the nice part of going to a Catholic school. We all had the same shirt. So. Yeah, everybody had the same shirt. We didn't have – the girls had uniforms. The boys did not. Oh. In my school, we always had uniforms in uh, at Cedar Crest and the other ones. I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Hey, bring up that Charles Barkley story, will you, Andy? Those that, years uh, are a blur. That is hilarious. From all the drinking. Yes. Well, that's true. I'm sure that's what it is. Charles Barkley. This is a quote. <laughs> Charles Barkley says, Timberwolves are one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. <laughs> There's audio. Hey, you have audio? Oh, yeah, here it is. Let me say this one and thing. And block shots. He's number two in Well, let me just say this one thing about the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got to be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen in my life. There you go. I mean, Why dumb? Because Houston Rockets switch every pick and roll. There's mismatches all over the floor. They never take advantage of any mismatches. They don't want their coach to get mad and start yelling. No, Shaq, the Houston Rockets switch everything. There was five or six times where they switched Chris Paul to, to, to Big Cat, and so they put uh, the guard, had Capella out on the floor. He cleared out and let him, go, instead of him getting Chris Paul or James Harden down in the box, he cleared out to let the point guard go one-on-one. That's not good basketball. So there you go. Charles oh. Barkley giving proof that the Timberwolves are one of the ba- dumbest <laughs> basketball teams of all time. They have no chance against Houston, none. Nope. I mean, they got so lucky last night it was only 104 to 101 because yeah. Houston had nothing, and they still beat the Timberwolves. Yep. It is one going to be one of the worst franchises in the history of any sport. But at least the Wild won last night. Yeah, the Wild <laughs> did win 6-2, right? Yep. The Twins play in Puerto Rico tomorrow and Wednesday, and the games are on Fox Sports 1 tomorrow and on uh, ESPN on Wednesday, so we're looking forward to that. Now we're talking. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom for Flow. For the past 35 years, Flow's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flow's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. 
They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Special guest coming up later on this hour. We're going to be talking a bit, little Prince here. Now, what date was that when he died? April 21st, 2016. It was 21st. Yeah. So it's this Friday? Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah, that's right. This Saturday. And what year? Uh, two years ago. 2016. Two years ago already. Yeah. Good God, that time is flying by. Desi Linden wins Boston Marathon, first U.S. woman since 1985 to win the Boston Marathon. That's a big story. Yeah. Well, who is it usually? A Kenyan. Kenyans or Ethiopians. Well, sitting right here, Tevin sitting over in his seat up there going, what the hell is this all about? An Ethiopian didn't win the Boston Marathon? Like, that way to go, Tevin, you backstabber. It's crazy, though. It's been five years since the Boston Marathon bombing, though. Five years. Yeah. It's only five years? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was longer. Yeah, that feels uh, like it was like a thousand years ago. I thought it was a couple years ago. Huh. Well, let's, well, let's see. Boston Marathon winners. Most recently, yes, you're right. It's almost always a Kenyan. Almost Ethi- always oh, a Kenyan. Kenyan and Ethiopian, like 90% of the 90% time. 90% of the time, yeah. Uh, they probably stayed home this day. Wait a minute. This says this year was a Japanese woman. Uh, Desiree oh, that was, Linden? I mean... This is the men's open. Never mind. So there's a women's open, men's open. Yes. So this is the first women's open. Okay, I see. Because a Japanese man won the men's open. Oh, a Japanese man won the men's uh, the men's Boston Marathon. But a U.S. man won in 2014, which was the first U.S. male win since 1983. So oh, similar. So there you go. Similar thing. Kenyans and Ethiopians are slipping. Yep. Desiree Linden splashed her way through the icy rain in a near gale headwind. Oh, God, that must have been a thrill <laughs> running 26 miles into a headwind. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, well, I suppose it's at your back for half of it, so what the hell. Uh, in any case, Desiree Linden splashed her way through icy rain in a near gale headwind to win the Boston Marathon on Monday, the first victory for an American woman since 1985. The two-time Olympian and 2011 Boston runner-up pulled away at the end of Heartbreak Hill to win in two hours, 39 minutes, and 54 seconds. That was more than four minutes better than second-place finisher Sarah Sellers, one of seven Americans in the top ten, but the slowest time for a woman's winner in Boston since 1978. It's supposed to be hard, said Lyndon, who wiped away the spray of rain from her eyes as she made her way down Boylston Street alone. It's good to get it done. Yuki Kawachi, past defending champion uh, Jeffrey Kirui, as they pass through Kenmore Square with a mile to go to win the men's race 215.58. That's pretty slow, too, isn't it? Well, that's the men's race 215.58. Let's see. Yeah, because yeah. I think like 203 or something is the, is the record. Yeah. That's the slowest record in a long time. Long yeah. time. Yeah, that's, that's pretty slow. In... Horrible weather, though. Yeah. Looks like there was a slower one. Wait, 58? Well, 58. 215.58, you said? That's correct. Was there a 16 ever? Let's see. Well, back in the day, I'm in sure. In 1965, yes. Yeah, there you so, go. So, yeah, it's been a while. They broke the four-minute mile win. That was, um, that must have been like around 68, wasn't it? 65, something like that? I could do a four-minute four minute minute mile. Yeah. They'll probably die afterwards, but I what could was do it, it, like the 68 Olympics? Or was it in... Yeah, it was, something like the 64 Olympics, 68 Olympics, something like that. First four-minute while... Bleh, mile. Was 1954. Oh, 1954. Roger Bannister. Yeah, it was Roger Bannister. That was 1954. And has now since now become the standard. Yeah. It was a record, and now it's the standard. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Because everyone is doping. I still think it's sad that that uh, Haitian guy... Was it a Haitian? Or B- Bermudan? Was the fastest sprinter alive? And he lost his last race. He had never lost. Oh. And he lost his last race he was ever going to run. God, that pissed me off. <laughs> what was that guy's name again? Was that Usain uh, Bolt? Usain Bolt, yeah. Where's he from? Oh, no, he's Jamaica. 
Yeah, he he's he lost the final 100 meter um, race. The final 100 meter race yeah. that he'd never lost before, and he had to nope. lose the last <laughs> one. Wait, he's retired? Yeah, he retired. Yeah. He's only yeah. my age. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know, you want to talk about running oh, 28, guess. 29, 30 miles an hour? Yeah, we, I guess if you're running your entire life, that's gonna wear on your knees. Has anybody broken that mark? Because I know people have run 28 miles an hour, but has anybody ever run faster for any stretch faster than 28 miles an hour? Um, that is see. moving, man. <laughs> 27.8, 2009 oh, by Usain Bolt. That's, the, that's still the 27.8. It hasn't even reached 28 miles yet? No. Oh. 27.8 miles an hour. Holy <laughs> God, that's moving. Honestly, and you remember, I mean, it was, uh, what, 2008 in Beijing when he first broke on the scene. He actually could have ran faster. He had a better time, but he looked back. He kind of like, yeah. you know, because he, he knew did. he was going to win. Well, kind of taunted. To yep. put that in uh, perspective, a domestic cat can go 30. So don't get wow. too full of yourself there, Hussein. Yeah, but you know what? Look at a cat and how fast they can move. <laughs> They're pretty quick, yeah. yeah. God, did you guys see America's Funniest Home Videos last night? No, there was a, a couple of cats looking out the, you know the, you know the sliding glass doors and the sliding <laughs> right the, the screens and all that. This cat's looking out the screen and it wants to go outside, so it jumps up on the table, leans over and pushes the thing open. Some cats are really. <laughs> it's weird because there's really not that many breeds of cat. Almost every cat is a domestic short hair, but their intelligence varies so much. Why is that? I don't know. Because with dogs, pretty much every dog of a given breed is going to have very similar intelligence. Yeah. For So for dogs, the intelligence is based on breed, but for cats, it's based on the individual. And I don't really know why. Right. Right. In Copley Square, crowds only partly thinned and muffled by the uh, weather greeted Linden with chants of USA. Lisa Larson Wiedenbach's 1985 victory was the last for an American woman before the race began offering prize money that lured the top international competitors to the world's oldest uh-huh. and most prestigious annual marathon. So as soon as they started paying them for coming over, they okay, we'll do it. Well, no yeah, problem. so that's when all the Kenyans decided, well, hey, you know, $10,000 is like $5 million in my country, <laughs> so... True. <laughs> Lyndon, a California native who lives in Michigan, nearly ended the drought in 2011 when she was outkicked down Boylston Street and finished second by two seconds during yet another Kenyan sweep. That's not really a sweep. But the East Africans who have uh, dominated the professional era of the race had their worst performance in decades. Karui was the only Kenyan in the top ten for the men's race, defending champion mm. Edna Kiplagat. Kiplagat. Who was ninth helped prevent a shutout in the distaff to distaff. Who the hell still says distaff? Hometown favorite Shalane Flanagan. Ah, oh, Shalane Flanagan. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are two Irish last names. There are two. Uh, you got O'Shaughnessy yep. and you got Flanagan. Those That's the it. Two. That's all you got. Gleason, maybe. They'll throw a Gleason in there once in a while. Uh, hometown favorite Shalane Flanagan, a four-time Olympian and the reigning New York City Marathon champion, finished sixth after popping into a course-side portable toilet over the halfway point and falling behind. She had to go and poop. That's why she <laughs> lost the race. That's terrible. <laughs> Wait, well, how, you, so you, it's <laughs> how long? It's 26.2 miles. Well, I mean, in terms of time. Uh, two hours. And for the women, it's like 2.18. Yeah, yeah 2.20. You can't wait that long. <laughs> I, there are there are Olymp- I mean there are there are marathon runners that poop their pants while they're running. Just don't eat. How about or eat? Well, you're supposed to carbo load before a race, though. Yeah, well, carbo load immediately before. Well, that's what they do, and then they have to poop about an hour into it. Well, it's weird because Boston, I think, is you do have to qualify, whereas New York, you do not. Yeah. But then you remember last year we had the story on the show where in Milwaukee they screwed it up. It wasn't long enough. Yeah. Yes, and I so do that remember people that. Ran it, thinking that hey, if I make a certain yep. time, I'll be in Boston I next do, year. Yep. I and do that's not the first time they did that. No, nope, <laughs> it was not. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel Hug of Switzerland earned his fifth wheelchair victory, pushing through puddles that sent the spray from the wheels into his eyes. American Tatiana McFadden, who won the women's wheelchair race for the fifth time, wore two jackets with a layer of plastic between them and hand warmers against her chest. 
it was just tough. It was so freezing, Hug said through uh, chattering teeth as a volunteer draped a second towel around his shoulders. I'm just very glad I made it. I mean, there are two comments on that article. Let me see the comments, Andy. Oh, my God. I, both of them are probably, what a bunch of pussies. Yeah. Nope. What a great race for Des Linden on a far from perfect marathon day. Linden showed such great grit. Congrats. So that's nice. A safe and good run to all. Hope the weather improves. Two positive comments? Wow. What well, happened? I mean, it did just end. Well, that's true. It ended on 7.40, I mean, at 7.40 Central Time. So that yeah. would have been five-ish hours ago. Because usually, honest guys, you think, hey, kids, tomorrow Santa's coming. Well, that fat bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these <laughs> comment sections. A lot of people are just so, they They're, love being angry well they're mad at the world and that's all all it's about they're just pissed off at the world (laughs) so what did they say like what the temperatures were um i I didn't see it at the top but they said it was really really cold yeah i don't see any but i mean mentioned there cold or was it minnesota cold that's what i'm wondering well probably probably wasn't as cold in (laughs) in boston but here we go boston mother today uh, Monday morning temperatures in the upper 30s. Oh, man. With wind and rain. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Wind, rain, and 30, 39 degrees. Yeah, that sounds like a real dream come true to run a marathon in that. Winds as high as 35 miles per hour, which is a headwind. Not which even, now, yeah. the great thing about that is, we can, as Americans, say that all Kenyans are pussies. <laughs> <laughs> See? Now that's great news, don't you think? Yeah. I can't imagine going from Kenya to that. I mean, like, imagine, oh my God! Yeah, imagine living on like you know one of the Florida Keys your whole life, and then you come up to Boston to run, and it's yeah fifty degrees colder than you've ever been before. It's true. So, Melina, what do you think of the Wild? Oh well, I'm glad they showed up last night. They showed up in one sixty-two last night. They got their ass handed <laughs> to them up in Winnipeg. Yeah, because I guarantee you, the Timberwolves have no chance against Houston. No. But the Wild, do they have a chance against Winnipeg? Uh, yeah, I mean, more so than the Wolves, but it's going to be tough because, uh, you know, Winnipeg's yeah. got one of the craziest environments. I mean, they, I think, have the best home record in the yeah, league. So. I think you're right. So even if we win three at home, we still got to win one of the remaining yeah. two in Winnipeg. Yep. We'll see if that happens. But uh, I, I, it's just it really irks me, even though – you know, I'm not the world's biggest hockey fan. It still bothers me that Minnesota, the home of hockey, has never won the Stanley Cup. What uh, sense does that make? Uh, well, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, because we're uh, the state of hockey. What are you going to do? Oh, God, Michael Cohen, currently in a hearing, has been forced to reveal that another one of his clients is Fox News host Sean Hannity. <laughs> what has that got to do with anything? So what? Oh. Uh, who is Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen's Donald Trump's attorney. Did you uh, no. did you see uh, what's his face uh, Ben Stiller on Saturday Night Live? No, when he, he was, was Michael Cohen. Yeah, he was Michael Cohen. Yeah, your good friend Robbie Robert De Niro. I can't t- I stand him anymore. Oh, I don't know what the hell happened to him. Something's wrong with. It. Is he mentally ill now? Something. He, uh... I used to love him. I used to love all of his movies. Used to love to go see if if De Niro was in it, I'd go see it. And then he just went off the deep end. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Any idea? I don't know, but he was a—he was almost a dead ringer for Mueller. They had him as a... Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> he did lobby against impeaching Clinton in 1998. So. Oh, so he didn't want Clinton impeached even though he's a rapist? Yeah, so he's been hard on that party line yes, for a while yeah, now. You know why? Because his dad was an artist. That's why. Think so? Yeah, I guarantee it. I don't know. Like I said, I did always find it to be very, very funny, though, that Robert De Niro played tough guys in movies. Come on, you're the size of a pop bottle. <laughs> Settle down with that. You're a tough guy. Thing. And then Joe Pesci yeah, was Pesci. even smaller. <laughs> He's a yeah, really tiny guy. Yeah. I don't know how big De Niro is in real life, but yeah, De Niro's just got he's such an attitude. I used to, man, he used to be so wonderful in movies like. Here come two words for you. Fantastic stuff. And then he's just, uh, I, I do think it's a huge mistake for for a lot of these people, these actors, to start getting political. But then again, I suppose they won't get any roles unless they do become political. Yeah, that doesn't help. But so, yeah, his parents were weirdos. 
Oh, where his parents weirdos? Political activist artists. Oh, God, there you go. Yeah, the mom was, a uh, you know, anti-Vietnam War, et cetera, et cetera, making paintings. I met a friend of mine's boyfriend years ago, and he had just uh, come home from college. He had just graduated college, and he said he was extremely angry. And I said, what are you angry about? I'm a poet. I should be given a free ride as an artist. What? What? Well, apparently they do that in Ireland. Apparently, if you're a poet, you get the free ride. You get to be on welfare. All that useful labor that poets provide. Yeah, exactly. We'll be back. Special guest coming up next. We'll be talking Prince, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl, and after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series, where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to SellerWorkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The Seller Workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit SellerWorkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest, Dwayne Tudal, joins us. Talking about his book, Prince, The Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions, 1983-1984. Dwayne, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you doing? Marvelously well. Uh, just the other day, as a matter of fact, I spent about a half an hour talking. I've known Owen Husney, the guy who discovered Prince. I've known Owen for, God, 40 years probably. Oh, God, Dwayne, it's been 40 <laughs> years. Oh, great. Have you read his book? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, he just sent me his book. And people who I got have, it in my hand. I actually have it in my hand right at this moment. It's people who've book. met really me. It. What do you think of that? I love the title, People Who've Met Me. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a fun book. And it's not just about Prince in the beginning. It has right. stories about Janis Joplin and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun book. I Elvis Presley. That. Yeah, Elvis Presley's Absolutely. in there. Uh, are, you enjoying, are you enjoying the snow, by the way? By the way, I, I thought you guys were warming up for people coming to visit, but uh, thanks. Dwayne, when, uh, when are you coming to town? I've been in town since Friday night. I oh, you already here. have been. I, I got here right when the snow was starting. Oh, so God. It's been, yeah, the whole weekend's been just snow. Well, and the, you guys are used to this. I'm now in, in Los Angeles, so I, I'm not as familiar with this white stuff coming from the sky. I so understand completely. Me. I completely understand that. So you're going to stay here uh, through the weekend? Through I'm here until the 23rd. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for the symposium. There's a Prince symposium uh, starting tonight over the next few days. And I'm speaking on Wednesday. And then I'm doing a book signing on Wednesday afternoon with Maite uh, at the symposium. And then oh, yeah. a book signing after that at a place called Gluck's and a few other events over the course of the week. And here for the celebration and just here to be around people that uh, have the same mindset as me about uh, Prince and why he was important and what uh, what bonds us all with this. It's kind of like every time I come here for this kind of thing, it's, it's sort of like you get to ignore the world for a minute and yeah. just enjoy the medicine that's healing from all the people that are around him. You know, uh, two very quick stories. Uh, I was, when I was talking to Owen, he he uh, needed a string session for one of his very, very early songs. And he went in and he said, Owen, we got to step out of the room here. we I got to talk to you. And Owen thought, oh, God, he hates the string the, the, the section. And we're going to – he steps out and he goes, those are the people I want. I definitely want those people – to be my string section for this song, but I'm going to completely rewrite what what they just did. 
He said, well, when are you going to get that? Then he goes, oh, I already did it. While he was sitting there listening to him, he re- rewrote everything they did in his head. Yep. <laughs> so you already it's knew that amazing. story? Well, yeah, it's, it's a very, I think that story's in the book. It's, it's, oh, it's, 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 God. It's, 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 the things that Prince, and I think people understand about Prince is this is a guy that thinks in music, communicates in music. Right. Everybody around him, they, unless you can talk in a way that is about music, you're never going to get into his inner circle, and that's the people he trusts most or trusted most yep. were the people that could communicate with him on that level. And I think somebody like that sends out a vibration, uh, frequency, and the people that get it are drawn to that. And, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as you can see, once he passed, you saw how the world you know, lit up purple, and you didn't realize, I personally didn't realize how many people loved Prince as much as they, they did until he passed. I mean, most of us feel like we're in a bit of a cult. We like Prince and like, you know, one of those things. But then when you found out that when he passed, that this was shared by the world, yeah. it, it, it was um, it was sad and, and also consoling at the same time because it was comforting knowing there were other people out there that were hurting and as, as, as um, missing him and, and everything he brought as much as possible. It's, yeah. just, it's a great example of, to people. I mean, people need to pay attention because I'm certain that Prince didn't want to die so young, only 58 no. years old. But you, once you start down that road, man, it's really hard to turn around and go back. And just starting down that road in the first place is a really bad idea. With, addic- with addiction? Yeah. Yeah, addiction's a tough one. And the, the tricky thing about something like this, uh, and, and I generally don't like to focus on his last year simply because I think that's when he was his, his most vulnerable in a bad way, but the tricky thing about addiction, and I've worked on a show called Intervention, and I worked with Dr. Drew Pinsky for oh, quite a yeah, while, yeah. so I know a lot about this, is it, it, you have to be able to give somebody the bottom line, and when you're somebody like Prince or Elvis or Michael Jackson, there's not a lot of people that can give you a bottom line that yeah. say, if you stop this, unless you stop this, I'll go away. Well, people like that, you have to find another language, and they have to be an active participant in uh, deciding against this, and it's very difficult when you're a celebrity. You know, people at that level are the people that call the shots, and the more they call the shots, the more they're able to call the shots, and they get to a point where they feel like they every decision they make is going to be right, and your brain gets clouded. And it's unfortunate that that uh, that that would happen to somebody as um, incredibly talented and in control as Prince of his career, and not just his career, but fashion and trends mm-hmm. and experimental things and marketing. Prince was this entrepreneur in every area. And then the sad thing is, is his need for control ended up coming back to bite him. And that, that's the saddest part of all is, is uh, I don't know if he could have been. We all, all of us speculate what it would have been like to have the universe conspire to us, have us there to save his life. And everybody I know that worked with him felt the same way. And, and, and the rest of their fans felt like that. But the bottom line is somebody that's in that position is going to make their decisions. And that's the way it's going to be. And, that's, you know, you look yeah. at Michael Jackson and you look at, at Elvis and people like that and you think, wow, I wish I could have helped. And with any addict or any person who has a, a, a addiction of sorts, it's difficult to do that. Yeah, I don't think there are, there are some of the some people and you just named three of them. Uh, I don't know that they can live long lives. You, you know, you look at people like Paul McCartney, which is pretty amazing. But, but I mean, to be as big as Paul McCartney is, as well-known as he is, as talented as he is, for it not to affect him in a way that's very damaging is really pretty rare. Right. Uh, no, I agree. And you look at Keith Richards, and you think, wow, it's just a, a roll of the dice. Yeah, how the you hell did know. he ever live this long? <laughs> I, know. I know, and yet... You know, he's, he's going to outlive us all. So yeah, it, it seems like it's it. amazing. And, and none of us expected Prince to pass when he did. No. Um, no. I, I think the, the tough thing is every time you look at Prince, there was a, a, a beauty to him and a, a put together. He was always cool. He was never one of these guys that you thought had issues like this. He was never the kind of guy that you'd see trying to catch his straw with his tongue, you know, his mouth, like trying to find it in a glass. He was always smooth and always you know, in check and always ran the room, no matter where he was. And, and the kind of person that was a celebrity celebrity where 
if a celebrity meets them, they always have a story about meeting Prince. You know, any, any scale wanted to meet Prince. I imagine that kind of life has got to be a little lonely, you know, when you're yeah, at that absolutely. You know, rarefied scale where nobody is really your contemporary. That's tough. No question. My one encounter with Prince was way, way back at the beginning uh, when Owen first started, uh, first found him, actually, or discovered him. I guess Chris Moon came to sure. uh, Owen and uh, said, I got this kid. And and so uh, Cliff Siegel, who's mentioned in the book, who's now Lauren Siegel. Okay. I was at uh, going over to Cliff Siegel's house because Cliff, I had met Cliff years earlier. He was at Warner Brothers. His brother Bo was at Elektra. I was at Capitol Records, but Cliff got me that job. Actually, uh, actually, what happened was is Cliff got Bo a job. Bo was offered another job, that was the Capitol job, and then I, I ended up getting that job. And so I got a call one day from Cliff and Bo. I said, "You going to come over for the game and watch huge Viking fans or whatever?" Okay. And so I walk in the house, and there's this little tiny kid there. And as I walk by, I go, hey, how you doing? And the kid looks down and just goes, hi. That was it. Just hi, that's it. That was my entire conversation with Prince. But I was amazed at how tiny he was. Not a big guy at all. Did you ever uh, get a chance to meet to meet Prince in person? I never worked with Prince. So okay. when I was doing the book, and just so you understand what the book I've done is, it's called Prince in the Purple Rain Era Studio Session. Right, right. It goes into what he did in the studio and during 1983, 1984. And since I wasn't there, um, I decided to find out what was going on in the, in the recording studio. Now, when you think about Prince, you think about all the different live things and, and the shows, but what at the core of what he did was he created music. And so I wanted to go back to as, as much of what he was doing and why it was important. And I started looking into how he did the songs. So I went back and I, review, I interviewed the Revolution. And I interviewed all the engineers that were there. And I interviewed members of the band at the time and Apollonia 6 or Vanity 6. And had them tell me what it was like to be in the room with Prince when they're recording all this stuff. This is, the cool thing about the recording studio with Prince is this a room that he did not invite anybody in unless there was a reason. Mm -hmm. So if you were in that room, you were kind of given a view of something that nobody would ever see. And the trick with Prince is if you're going to write a book about him, you kind of have to pay attention to the music because um, that's how he spoke. He didn't do interviews. He told us what he was thinking through his music. And each song he did was basically like a snapshot of that day. And so you can look at his music and see, well, he was sad here. He was happy here. And he'd record one or two songs or three songs in a day. So you're really getting an idea of the mood the man had because he allowed us to listen to his music. And that's how he would explain where he was. He'd tell stories. His, if he's in love, you could hear it in his music. If he's angry, you heard that in his music. And... I started wanting to find out why he did certain songs, why he did Purple Rain, why he did Windows Cry, why he did these things. And so I went back to the people that were there, and they were telling me the best stories. I, 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 when I was hearing these stories, I was like, this is crazy to hear what it would be like to be in the room when he's recording Windows Cry or when he was recording um, Raspberry Beret. That's just, you know, the, 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 the soundtrack to our lives always started somewhere, and this goes back to the day that it was started and by interviewing the people in the, in the room. Since I didn't know Prince, I wanted to interview all the people around him, and that's sort of what I did. It's probably be better that you didn't know Prince so and did all those interviews. You know what I mean? Well, and, and he, Prince is a trickster, too. This is the thing people have to remember. Right, right. And he, would, he would say things uh, in interviews and stuff to kind of throw you off, and he'd make you look <laughs> left, so he'd fake it to the right. Um he enjoyed that. And everybody, right. I didn't quite understand that until I started talking to these people. And they would say, yeah, Prince enjoyed, I don't want to say manipulating, but having a play, playful relationship with the press. We'd, he'd, he'd say, well, I'm thinking about this. Or, you know, if I'm negotiating a contract, maybe I'll do a country album. You know, that kind of stuff. But he would enjoy that banter and, 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 uh, and, and saying what he was thinking that day. But you look at Prince's career and you can see the man had a lot of unfinished projects. 
he was a man who was an artist at the core of himself and would change his mind quite frequently. He might have an, a, a project that was important on Monday and say, all hands on deck, we're going to get this album, this is going to be great. And then by Tuesday afternoon, when he's done two-thirds of the project by now, he might be like, yeah, you know, I got another project that's going to be even better. So he would not finish that. So he has, a, in his wake, a lot of projects that just didn't make it. The man was an idea machine. And oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, the thing, the other thing in the book that I talk about is this, this. Give you an example of how prolific this guy was. In 1984, from the very beginning of the year, he started um, January 1st of 84 to July or August of 84. He recorded stuff for the Purple Rain album, a couple songs for that. Recorded the Time album, Two Castles. Recorded the Apollonia Six album. Recorded Sheila E's album. Recorded songs for the Bangles. Recorded stuff for, um, and then an album for the family. And this is all within five, six, seven, eight months. Nobody, nobody does it like that. And, and, and most of the stuff was done him in the studio. And also a lot of B-sides and songs that never came out and songs that are uh, for other artists you know, or songs that came on later albums. That's just, that's insane. Yeah, no Who question does about that? it. No question about it. Yeah, so, and... and this is, he was 25, 26, and also during that time, he was finishing up a movie. <laughs> you know, it's not like he was just doing nothing. Right. He was finishing up Purple Rain. So the amount of work this guy does, did, is, is stunning. And what I try to do is document over 230 or so sessions that he did in the studio. You know, talk, and it's not just a, a thing of dates and times, although they're there. It's about the person, the man that did this and why he did this and when he's in pain or when he's happy. And, and the stories are told by the people who, were, who loved him, who were around him and who cared about him and who supported him. And the key to his success, not only was his talent, but finding an army of people that helped him be Prince. The Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions, 1983 to 84. Dwayne Tudal, it's T-U-D-A-H-L. Dwayne, thank you so much for your time today. Wonderful talk. Absolutely. You can find it on Amazon, and thank you very much for your time. This is great. Uh, it's our pleasure. Thanks for listening. Tom Bernard Show.